Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Luke 11, 5 through 13. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impundence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So it's funny how stories kind of hit you once in a while. I was just thinking today about my brother and I. Uh, You might not know my brother is four years older than me. And I was probably eight years old. He was 12. We had a babysitter. And for whatever reason, this lady drove us crazy. And so we just had it out for her for the entire time that... uh, she was at the house and at some point we hatched this plan that we were going to lock her out of the house and so she made the uh, the move to go outside at some point I think because we'd driven her so crazy she just needed a few moments to herself and so she goes outside and she sits on the front porch and we just reach over and we lock the door and I remember she's yelling she's kicking at the door she's trying to open the door and we will not let her in and so for the next two hours we're watching tv we're eating ice cream we are living it up while she is freaking out and also embarrassed that my parents would be home soon and she would be found on the front porch sure enough my parents came home and uh, they found the babysitter on the front porch and we were indoors and they had a key as one would have to their own house and they come inside and can i just tell you uh we felt that decision for the next week. Dad gave us what um, I guess some people might call the right hand of hospitality. So uh, we felt that bad choice to uh, be this terrible to our babysitter for at least a week after that. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about those moments in life where we find ourselves on the front front porch where we've been we've been knocking we have been asking we have been screaming we've maybe been crying 
looking for an answer, looking for an opportunity to see what we want to see happen. And for whatever reason, we just cannot get movement. And for many of us right now, that's where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in sort of a front porch moment in life. I would say most of the world right now uh, in this COVID-19 time feels like we are asking, we are knocking, we are banging on the door looking for some breakthrough. And right now it's like, God, are you listening? Are you seeing what we're going through? Do you feel what we feel? And we can kind of have those moments of hopelessness. And it turns out that you learn a lot about who you are. You learn a lot about what you believe and what you're actually about on the front porch. best to get this all set up this is like video vlogger youtuber style here I'm gonna just kind of have a conversation with you from my front porch welcome ACF to my home here we are on the front porch of the cook home and we are in a series called campfire stories and I just want to continue that conversation with you today about these front porch moments and campfire stories is a it's a it's a series of discussions through the parables of Jesus and as we said from the beginning these parables are simply stories with a purpose they're stories with a deeper meaning and Jesus was a master storyteller he loved to hold his listeners attention by telling them a story and then as they listened to the story often what would happen is they would realize that it's about them. This is a story that's saying so much more than the story itself. It's a story to help you understand yourself better. It's a story to help you understand God's kingdom better and to understand really where this world is going better. And couldn't we all use a little more clarity in the future of this world right now? The story that I just read around the campfire is a well-known story. Uh, This is the story of the friend at midnight, the friend that is seeking some bread for this guest that he didn't know was going to show up. And he's going to the neighbor's house and he's just knocking on the door, asking his, his lazy neighbor to get out of bed and get him a little bit of food. And in this particular story, there are three specific characters I want to talk about. The first is the the one that's asking for help. The second is the one that's needing help. And the third is the one being asked for help. So the effective teachers of Jesus' day, uh, many of which were the rabbis, would actually call this particular parable a how much more parable. And what that means is simply like, hey, if, if God would move or if someone would move in this type of a scenario in a really easy case, then how much more in a bigger moment, in a more important moment, might God move or might someone else respond in that moment? It's a really effective way of making a, a really important point about the character of whoever you're telling the story about. In this case, it's a story about God's character himself. And the point really, as he's telling the story, you begin to understand is, is he sees like this man who's a terrible friend, like he, he doesn't really want to get out of bed. He's lazy, but he ends up helping this man. And, and this man is actually able to assist this other guy in his needs. Well, this bigger point is if a, if a terrible friend you know, a lazy neighbor is willing to do this, then I want you to consider your heavenly father. I want you to consider the God that loves you, that created you, that that made you, that knit you together. 
I want you to consider that God that would die for you, that would bleed for you, that actually plans on restoring you and restoring the world. What would that God do in relation to, in comparison to the way that this friend acted in this moment? And we can kind of bring this home in our own lives. You know, like, I mean, we're willing to help each other out once in a while. Um, We all have our limitations though, don't we? We've all been in moments where we're like, hey, I want to help out, but not that far. You know, that's going to cost me too much. It's going to be too inconvenient. It's going to take too much time. Like, I want to be a good friend, but mm, that's a little too far for me. And maybe you've been on the other side of this, the receiving end, where you just needed someone to care for you, to, uh, to, to make a, a move for you, to do something for you, and they wouldn't do it, right? It was just too much for them to do. And you felt that feeling of rejection, that feeling of not being cared for. And maybe you've actually had someone go above and beyond. I've had people do this many times in my life where I've been in need and somebody has gone above and beyond and it's blown my mind that they'd be willing to completely inconvenience themselves and go out of the way to do whatever it took to meet me in my moment of need. And so right now, once again, you might find yourself on the front porch of of a very difficult moment in your life. You're asking for something from God. You're asking for healing. You're asking for peace. You're asking for clarity. Maybe you just want some sanity in this new normal. Maybe you're asking God to show you whether you should homeschool the kids or public school the kids, you know. Uh, Maybe you're just asking God to help you not to kill the kids this next year, whatever it may be, uh, for a decision for your future in college, for a decision about a roommate or about a spouse that you need to kind of... deal with some difficult conversations with whatever it may be, whatever front porch you might find yourself on. I want you to think back to moments that a friend has helped, that someone has leaned in and given you assistance when you've needed it. And then consider uh, through that lens, looking at this story and go, how much more might God be willing to meet you right where you are? Okay, so in the story, this unexpected guest shows up to the neighbor's house. The scenario is really simple. He has an unexpected guest show up and he needs to care for him. He wants to feed him. This is a reasonable request, but the problem is he doesn't have enough food. And so he goes out of his home to the neighbor's house who's sleeping and in bed and he knocks on the door. And he says, neighbor... Can I get three loaves of bread? Now, uh, this seems a little strange to us at first. To to the hearers of this story, when Jesus spoke it, it seemed absolutely normal. But a question that I had when I read this was, well, how does he know his neighbor has bread, right? Like, how would he know that there's three loaves of bread at the neighbor's house? But the thing is, they lived in a very tight-knit type of community. And so this would have been very natural. You kind of always knew what your neighbor was cooking. Some of you lived in apartments like this or dorms like this, where whatever your neighbor was cooking, you were smelling. And I love going in Subway because I love leaving smelling like bread. I love the smell of fresh baked bread. And so what you get in the scenario of the story is these are very close-knit neighbors. They live really near each other. And so he knew that the neighbor had made some bread recently. And so he goes over and simply asks him for some bread. Now, have you ever gone to your neighbor and asked for something? I mean, this can be an intimidating thing. I mean, it can be one of those moments where you're just like, I don't want to impose myself or go too far. And what if they say no? And it gets awkward. And yet in this story, this man, he knows, hey, I have someone to feed. I have this unexpected guest at my house and I want to take care of him. 
or her, whoever it is. And so I need to get some food. So he boldly goes to the neighbor's house at midnight, in the middle of the night, right? At a time where they would be typically sleeping. And he says, I need some food. So then the response comes from the neighbor. And he says this, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. And so obvious weird moment here, right? The thing that I immediately thought when I read this was that awkward scene in Willy Wonka, right? Where the whole family is like laying in bed together. You're going to have to look that up maybe if you don't know the reference. But uh, this was probably a typical one-room house and people would have shared the same bed in the same space. We don't realize how spoiled we are having our own spaces uh, to live in. Some of you are like, I wish I had my own space, right? But uh, most of us have our own space to live in. But he gives excuses, right? He's like, my children and I are in bed. I can't get up. Oh, it'd be so much effort to get out of bed right now and get you some bread. And this seems like way too much work. And what you need to understand as we, as we read the story once again is your inclination may be to think, that's how I feel about God. Like God is like the grumpy neighbor, but that's the opposite of the point that, that Luke's trying to make. Luke is making the point that that your God, our God, is nothing like this grumpy neighbor. Okay, let's read verse 8. It says, I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. So I want to stop there for a moment. How do you treat your friends? I mean, this is one of those moments where familiarity actually creates this um, lack of compassion. And I'll tell you, I have been guilty of this. Sometimes, can we be honest? The people that are closest to us get the worst of us, right? Like, I mean, I want you to think about it for a moment. Like, can you think of, say, ladies, when maybe you got first married to your husband, when you used to, like, wake up early before he got up and you'd, you'd sneak out of bed and go put a little makeup on and, and sneak back into bed and he'd wake up and you, he'd say, oh, you look so beautiful, honey. And, and you'd say, oh, this, this is just natural. This is just what I look like in the morning, right? Lies, lies, I tell you, or, or gentlemen, right? Do you remember when you used to make sure that she had like flowers every Friday and you'd go open her car door and you'd tell her that she's beautiful every single day, right? Do you remember that? Do you remember when you used to go to the gym, like convicted? I feel convicted about this. I used to go to the gym a lot more. I felt like I had a lot more to prove earlier on in life. But isn't it true that sometimes those who are closest to us, who should get the very best of us, actually get the worst? And that's what's going on in this story is because he's his friend, he doesn't want to get up and give his neighbor anything. Then it says this. It says, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now, this word impudence just means shamelessness. And what he's saying, Jesus is saying this, that this man, he, he doesn't want to be embarrassed, that, that he would not help this friend. You see, hospitality of strangers was a, a really big value and still is a massive value for people living in Eastern countries. Uh, if a person refused to entertain a guest, then he actually brought disgrace on himself, on his whole village, and the neighbors would want nothing to do with him. And so the man of the house, he knew this and didn't want to embarrass himself, embarrass his family, embarrass the kids that uh, you know are sleeping in his home. So he gets up and he meets the need. And so, you know, in the story, he, he didn't really want to help. He just didn't want to look bad. 
So once again, conviction, right? I, I feel these moments where I don't really want to help. I just, mosquito. I, I don't really want to help. I just don't want to look bad. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to seem like a bad Christian or a bad pastor. And so there have been moments where I have done things just to check the box, just to prove that, oh, look, look at me. I'm a decent human being, right? All the wrong reasons to do the right thing. So I just want to pause for a minute. This man who is, is refusing to help and then finally offers to help, he's, he's not being a good person, right? He's not loving his friend. He's not caring well for him. Now, I want to talk for a minute about this because we stand in this moment of time where one of the most divisive topics is something I would call communal responsibility. Communal responsibility. Now, now, when you think of this story, you might hear it from two different angles, right? Some of you might think, hey, that neighbor, he should wake up and he should bring uh, this other man his bread and he should be willing to put himself out and meet the needs of the neighbor. Others of you, when you hear the story, you're like, midnight? No way. Like, why would you knock on my door at midnight? That's so rude. I mean, you should respect my boundaries. I mean, depending on where you're at, you're going to hear the story completely differently, right? Now, here's what struck me, and this is so huge for where we find ourselves culturally right now, is that we often don't want to be responsible for each other, but we always want God to be responsible for us. Let that sink in for a moment. We often don't want to be responsible for each other, but we always want God to be responsible for us. So here's a question. What if God answered your prayers the same way that you answered the prayers of others? I mean, what if God was listening the way that you listen and and responding the way that you respond? You see, here's the deal. As God's people, he has set us up as caretakers of the world that we live in. And so I want to give you three words that will undermine your witness as a believer in Jesus. Three words that will reveal your heart to the world and three words that show us how we really are as people and who we are as people. Here's the three words, you ready? Not my problem. Not my problem. It's just not my issue. It's not mine to deal with. And so here's what I want to tell you, is that there is not one square inch of this beautiful earth that we live in that is not your problem. If you're a believer in Jesus and you actually see that God has created you the way that in his image, like God is a creator and a caretaker. And so we are actually like many caretakers and creators on this earth. And he actually has given us this this command to care for the world, to multiply in the world. to to actually be compassionate toward the world. Do you know that there is not one square inch of this green earth that is not our responsibility as people? Now, some of you immediately make arguments. Well, I can't fix anything, or this is way beyond me. Like, I can't fix COVID. I can't fix human trafficking. I can't fix the, the, the race tension that we feel in our country. Like, I can't fix that. Yeah, but you can fix something. And you can have compassion towards those who are fighting for other things and find ways to fight for new things and to lean into new opportunities to make things that were not your problem, your problem. But in this story, this man's character is revealed. And to save face, he gives his neighbor a hand, but he doesn't actually care about his neighbor. 
my little boy Grayson, he got it in his mind that he wanted, he wanted a knife. He wanted a, a whittling knife to be able to, you know, cut wood and whittle on the front porch. And so we were walking through Bass Pro Shop and he uh, looked on the shelf and this knife caught his eye. Now Grayson's eight years old and he's like, Dad, I want a knife. I mean, what little eight-year-old boy doesn't want a knife? And he's like, I want to be able to whittle and make some cool stuff. And, and so he's like, Dad, I really, really want a knife. And, and I want that knife. And I said, son, you know, I, I've got some knives at home. And uh, maybe if we talk about it, I'll talk to your mom. Maybe we'll get you a knife. Well, this idea, it was like inception, right? The idea was in his brain and it could not be removed. He couldn't stop thinking about it. He was obsessed with getting a hold of a knife. And so it was just like every five minutes, dad, can I have a knife? Dad, can I have a knife? Hey dad, can I have a knife? Dad, what about that knife? Have you looked for the knife, dad? Have you seen any knives lately, dad? Knives are really cool, aren't they, dad? He could not let the idea go. And there's this thing that happens when we're knocking, when we're asking God for something, when we're seeking God's help or his wisdom or, or, or just seeking him to, to interfere with something going on in our lives. Isn't there a point where we just sort of stop asking? I mean, in some ways, like, it drives me crazy when my kids keep asking for things, but there is something about a child that when they get something in their mind and they know, hey, dad can help and dad I know he's got knives. I know he has the ability to, to get me what I'm asking. And so I'm just going to keep asking, right? I'm going to boldly keep coming to my father and saying, uh, dad, would you get me what I'm asking for, right? There's no shame in just continuing to ask for what his heart desires. And I, I wonder for you, when, when did you stop knocking? When did you just give up and say, you know what? Clearly God hasn't done it yet which means that he's not going to do it in the future. Now, if you've read the Bible a little bit, what you know as you look at the way that God relates to his people and what he desires from his people, that God actually wants us to be persistent. That he wants us to continue to seek and to knock and to, to just stand at the door. And isn't there something about this that is, it's kind of uncomfortable. In fact, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. And I'm like, God, why would you be that way? Like. I have never done this. I have never said no to one of my children and then followed that statement with, but if you ask me a hundred more times, the answer will be yes. I've never said that because that would drive me crazy, right? And yet there's something about God where God actually wants us to keep coming to him and desiring things and communicating our, our, our heart's desire and our needs and our wants to him. He wants us to continue to keep knocking, to keep asking. There's a story about Abraham, right? Where he's pleading to God that he would have mercy on the city of Sodom, right? And he just continues to like negotiate with God, which in some ways we're just uncomfortable with that depiction of God. Like, like God doesn't need to be negotiated with, right? God knows what he's going to do, but there's this, this back and forth relationship between God and Abraham when it comes to his people. And, and he negotiates with him and then God relents because of the conversation. And so there's something powerful about this and yet there's something really uncomfortable about it. But yet in some ways it makes sense, right? Has somebody ever asked you for something yet they didn't make a very good case for it? Like imagine I came to you and I, I said, hey, can I borrow your truck for the next month and a half? 
Like no more explanation, no more details, right? No, hey, I would really appreciate this or here's why it matters to me or here's what I'm going to do or you know, here's, here's how I know it would put you out and so I'm gonna try to make it a little easier on you. I wouldn't have any conversation. I'd just say, hey, can I borrow your truck for the next month and a half? Wouldn't you be a little bit like, no way, man. Like I want you to make a case. I want you to explain what's going on here. Like, I mean, I think this makes sense to us. And why is it that when it comes to requesting something from us, that in some ways we would say, hey, make a case for this. I want, I want to fully understand why you want this. So here's my point, is that we want others to comprehend the severity of their predicament in the value of our generosity. Like we, we want others to be able to communicate this and to, to show us like, hey, you understand that you really, really need my help. And yet I also want you to greatly value my generosity. If I'm willing to give of my time or my treasure or my talent to help get you out of what you're in the middle of, I want you to fully grasp it and understand what I'm doing for you right now through all of this. Like there's something that happens. There's a lesson that we learn on the porch And this is the part that none of us want to hear, but once again, so much happens on the porch. So much of our life is revealed and so much of who we are is seen and so much of our relationship with God is developed on the front porches of our lives. So continuing on the story with my little boy, so he asked for the knife. Guess what? I gave him one. And so here's what I don't know. I don't know if that was a good idea. He kept asking. He kept, he kept seeking. He made his case. He did all of that. And so I gave him what he wanted, right? So if tomorrow he's cutting on a, a little branch and slices his hand open, I'm going to feel like a terrible dad, right? Like you're like, well, you know, that's going to happen sometimes. But the reality is I don't know the implications of the decisions I make sometimes. Like, I, I don't know what's gonna happen. If I give him what he asked for, I don't know if it was a good move or a bad move. I just do what I want, and I, I just honestly don't know if it was a good gift. And then at some point, God moves. Circumstances change, and I see his hand at work in my life. And here's what you need to know is that our persistence doesn't convince God. It brings us closer to him and his will for us. Or as C.S. Lewis used to say it, prayer doesn't change God, prayer changes me. It, It changes my heart, it changes the way I see God, it changes the way I interact with him. There's powerful things that go on in my soul and it can only happen on the front porches of my life. And then as the story continues on, Jesus kind of makes a joke. And you might miss the humor in this, but um, Jesus is actually, he's a, he's a pretty funny guy. I don't think we understand the humor of Jesus many times. But he says this, he says, what kind of friend would give a snake or a scorpion when they're asking for a meal? He's like, who would do that? And we're like, well, yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. And, and that's the whole point. Jesus is saying, well, It'd be a terrible friend to give somebody the thing that they didn't need. When they were looking for food, they give them a, a snake or a, a scorpion, something that could hurt them. Why would, why would any friend do that? And he's contrasting and showing how much better of a friend God is, how much better of a father God is than any friend we might ever have on earth because once again, God knows exactly what we need. And if a terrible friend would bake you some bread, then what might the God of the universe do when you're knocking at the door? What might he do when you have a deep need, a real need? What kind of things might he move 
and reshape so that you might get exactly what you need in your life. So there's one profound reality that I learned a lot of years ago that I want to share with you, and, and it's simply this, that God always answers your prayers. He always answers your prayers, and, and there's three answers to all of your prayers. The, the answer could be yes. You're, you're knocking at the door saying, God, this is what I want, and the door flies open. He gives you exactly what you're wanting. The answer can be no. It's very clear, like this is not going to happen. This is not something that, that God wants to do. It's a very clear and cut situation. And I know that this is something that God wants me to walk away from. And then the other answer that, that many of us don't realize is an answer from God is this. Wait. Wait. Just, just wait on the front porch. Continue to knock. Continue to seek. You see, God always answers our prayers. And, and that might sound trite to some of you because you were like, man, I was praying that God would heal this friend of mine and he didn't heal them. And you're here to tell me that he answered my prayer? And, and you might say, well, I don't like that answer. And, and I would agree. Like there's things right now happening across the world that I'm praying for, things happening in my life that I'm praying for. And I'm like, God, I don't like the answer. But God is always a loving father. And, and back to the type of parable this is, this is a how much more parable. And so continuing on in verse 13, it says, if you then who are evil, <laughs> I love how Jesus is just so in your face, right? Like he doesn't pull any punches. He's like, if you people who are obviously evil uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, which we do, right? I mean, if you're a parent, you know how to give really good things to your kids, right? I mean, I certainly uh, give better gifts to my own children than anybody else's children, right? He says, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So think about that for a minute. Like the Holy Spirit lives in people. And that's what he's saying, is that you guys who are wicked give good gifts to your children. Well, I want to put the spirit of God in my people. And guess what? That's exactly what he does. We read about this in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit comes down and descends into his people and actually dwells in them and empowers the early church to do all of the ministry that he called them to do. It was part of why the church exploded like it did is because it was full of the Spirit. I mean, the Spirit of God was at work not only uh, through his people, but in his people. And I just promise you that what's coming in the next year's for us as a church and for the church global demands that we be a people who are filled with the Spirit. I mean, there's no way that we can walk fully in agreement with God and into the calling that he has for us if we are not living by God's Spirit and asking for more of him and less of us in our lives. And he's just saying this, hey, you guys, you're focused on the physical and I'm focused on the eternal. I mean, you just want a little bread I want to put God inside of you, right? You want to fill your bellies and I want to fill your soul. Like that's what Jesus is showing them is that you guys dream too small. You think too small. And maybe you think you give good gifts to your kids. Well, how much more would your heavenly father bless his children if they would just be willing to knock 
again? What if it's just one more knock? What if it's just one more minute on the porch? Would you continue? Would you keep searching? Would you keep seeking? And what if in the end God gave you exactly what you needed? And I just believe that's the promise in this text. Is that, no, we may not get the answer we want from God when we pray. But he's saying, be persistent. Like, keep on knocking. Keep on asking. He's saying, hey, make a case. Make it very clear of why you're looking for this. What this is about. And what happens when I make a case is I start to understand myself better. And sometimes uh, my true motivations come to the surface. And I see that, oh man, maybe this isn't good for me. Or maybe this is uh, from an unhealthy part of my soul that I'm desiring this. or, Or maybe I just don't trust God. And that's why I'm asking for whatever I'm asking. But once again, on the porch, that's where the lessons come. On the porch, that's where I learn about my soul and on the porch that's where I learned how much my father loves me and so open the door to Jesus and the very last thing I want to close with is that you would open the door to others we as a church are becoming a house church movement and I just I was thinking this is huge for us this week this idea that there are people in our city friends neighbors people that we pass by every single day who don't know Jesus and who do not have a church to be a part of. There are people who would never be caught dead walking into our building. I have literally heard people say this, like, if I walked into that building, I would light on fire, right? And so we come into this this moment that we find ourselves in with this incredible opportunity to go fully online as a church. And we've set this goal of launching 100 house churches by September 1st. And so I know it would be easy for you to be like, oh, that outpost idea, that's a great idea for somebody else. But here is what I feel like God is calling us to do is that everyone, every individual who calls ACF their church home, that we would consider leading an ACF outpost. And so for you, I don't know if you live in an apartment. I don't know if you live in a house. I don't know where you live, but I just want you to know that you're a leader, that people are following you, that someone is listening to you and that you have an opportunity to open the door for someone else. And so what if we began to open the door for others the way that we want God to open doors for us. So I'm going to ask you guys to pray with me here for just a moment over this season that we find ourselves in. Uh, Some of you are scared. Some of you that love ACF, you have a lot of questions and, and those questions are going to get answered as we move forward. But know this, the mission of God has not hit pause, but we're actually accelerating the mission of God, I think, through this next season. And I'm so pumped that we get to launch these home churches and I actually think the church is going to multiply in ways that it would never have multiplied had we not been through this whole crazy COVID thing that we find ourselves in right now. And so I just want you to know this. Listen, redemptive moments are everywhere if you're willing to look for them. And I actually think that God's right smack dab in the middle of this this challenging journey that we find ourselves in and that this may be more of a gift to the church than we even realize right now. And so the question is, really, the question about what we become in this next season, it's answered by who will you become in this next season. If you're wondering what happens to ACF, the real question is what happens to you? What happens to me? Because the reality is, so goes my life, so goes ACF. So goes your life as a leader, so goes ACF. Now those are big shoes to fill and maybe it's a little scary, but it's also an incredible opportunity to go be the church the way that we were created to be. So would you pray with me over this next season that we find ourselves in and pray with me for those in our church who have been standing at the door and knocking for years, that this would be a moment of open doors for them. So Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you. We're grateful that you are there with us. 
Even, even when we're on the porch knocking, God, you are there with us. And God, that you are a good father that gives good gifts to his children. And God, although we don't always like the answer, we know that whatever you do, it's done out of love for us. God, we just pray over our city, our community, over the other churches in our area who are trying to figure out what to do about gathering. God, we pray that this would be a season of multiplication of our people and of the mission that we have to go and amplify the grace of Jesus to the churched, the unchurched, and the dechurched of our community. God, we pray that more people would find you and would hear the gospel for the first time, would be changed and challenged, God. We pray that leaders would rise up within our church to open their homes and open their spaces and take hold of the divine calling on their lives to go and be the church. And God, we just plead with you for grace and peace peace in the lives of those who have been knocking and asking for years for healing, for redemption, God, for for peace in their lives, that you would grant them that peace and that would only come through you. God, we love you. We're grateful for you. Thank you for your call on our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.